How's everybody tonight? Good, 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 good. Did y'all miss me last week? No, you didn't. Y'all don't, y'all don't say that now. No, you didn't. You, you love being off. Just be honest about it. All right. Um, it's really good to be back. Uh, as you know, our anniversary is on uh, September the 22nd. No, yes, that's right. September the 22nd. Well, I always get confused because September the 11th happened, then we went on honeymoon on the 22nd, so I, sometimes I get the numbers confused. Huh? What's, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, so we, we have not had like a, uh, like a time like that in probably, I don't know, three or four years. I think maybe the second year we were here. I think we took some time. We took a week off, but we just basically stayed in town and uh, did some things around the house and just relaxed. And Angie gave me about 10,000 honeydews. Can I get a witness, guys? At least 10,000, still working on them. But it, it was a really good week. And of course, we had Wednesday off because it was fall break. And then um, we, we, for the first time ever, slept in on Sunday, watched a little bit of the live feed. But um, we just had a real lazy, relaxing week that was great. You ever had a lazy, relaxing week? Okay. So just so you know, in case you're wondering, we had that. So you can rejoice and be glad. Uh, announcements tonight. Uh, let's see here. Obviously, everyone is beside themselves in anger over what happened uh, to the people of Israel um, this past week. Uh, I don't know if y'all know this, but it happened, and I was surprised that I didn't see any new newscasters that mentioned this, but, but when I read that it happened, my immediate thought was that... Uh, that was the 50th anniversary of the Yom, Yom Kippur War. Do y'all remember that in 73? Of course, I was only three or four years old when that happened, but uh, the reason why I knew anything about it was because Ariel Sharon had a brain aneurysm about six or seven years ago, and uh, he was one of Israel's most notorious uh, military leaders and actually, if I remember correctly, won the war for them at the Yom Kippur War, stormed across Sinai, and in, in, in he was a tank commander. So it was a really exciting, exciting story uh, with him. But I just figured that they would not have their guard down like that on the anniversary of such a significant war. I, I was just kind of surprised by that. But um, the, the reports that I'm getting, <clears throat> that, that I, and I, I've actually had to seek this out. It hasn't been like major, like, like CNN or whatever, but what they did to some of those people in those small villages right across the border from Palestine, barbaric, just, just, just butchery, just savage butchery. Um, so we need, to be, we need to be praying for them, and, and we need to be praying for the members of Hamas as well because the, these, the, these people are obviously deeply deluded in their minds, uh, deeply deluded. Uh, so they need, to, they need to wake up and realize what it means to be a civilian and what it means to love life because they obviously don't. Um, and and there, there is, I don't know that there's any other response to that. I mean, all they understand is violence. That's all they understand. And, they, and they're going to they're gonna try to wipe out everyone that doesn't agree with them. And so it's just a really scary place to be. And uh, if America, if our border had been against theirs, they'd done the same thing to us. Y'all realize that, right? Same thing. Maybe even worse. Maybe even worse. So just remember to pray, pray for them because there's a lot of, I mean, I just imagine 730, I think they, it started at 730 in the morning on a Saturday morning. And they basically went into these towns while these families were, I mean, stirring around. I mean, what do you do at 7.30 on a Saturday morning? I mean, you're drinking coffee and hanging out in your pajamas with your loved ones or whatever. And just, just to imagine that a bunch of guys show up with AK-47s and start shooting your family and dragging people out. In the, it's, just, it's just insane to think about that that could happen, but it, but it certainly did. So we want to remember them. Uh, the Follow Me uh, outreach starts back up this Sunday evening. So y'all be sure and uh, come join us at 5 p.m. for that. Uh, this Saturday, we have Women's Fellowship from 9 to 1130. Uh, so ladies, be sure to, to get plugged into that. It's right here uh, in, in the church. I'm not sure where, the, where they will do it. I think we've got to set that up this weekend at some point. But y'all are having a fellowship, a Women's Fellowship, Breakfast Fellowship from 9 to 1130 a.m. this Saturday. Uh, Fall Festival is on October the 22nd, and we are in fantastic shape. For fall festival. We've got 17, 17 chili cook-off contestants. So 
who are the judges? Ken, are you a judge? You better get your taster ready, man. Huh? The 22nd. You gonna be in town? Probably would have been good to check your calendar before you said yes, you know. <laughs> now, I can give Ken a hard time because he gives me a hard time, so it's okay. Um, they are still, our staff is still calling uh, for candy to bring candy for the fall festival, so please, please do that. You've seen the bags and baskets of it back here to the left. Uh, David Morris, does anybody, did anybody get a, uh, an update on him and the, the car that his nephew is looking for? Has anybody heard anything about that? I haven't heard anything. Okay. All right. So I just want to announce that again. He has a nephew that has moved into the area that is looking for a car. If you have a car that, that you want to sell or whatever, just uh, let me know or let David know. And then remember Cecilia Peach, uh, she is still in severe pain. This is the same ailment that has been plaguing her for years in her hip. Doctors just cannot seem to figure out what the problem is. And then she fell and that aggravated things. And so she had a, uh, an MRI or a CAT scan, Dick. Was it MRI or CAT scan? MRI, and they don't have the results back from that yet, but pray for her. She, she is just in just so much pain. It's just, just crazy how much pain she's in. Uh, Bobby Short went to the hospital. They did the outpatient surgery on her for, for some, for some uh, bile duct issues. They brought her out, brought her, got her home. As soon as she got home, she started feeling sick again, took her right back to Stonecrest, and she is still at Stonecrest now. They're trying to figure out what's going on there. Her son, Ernie, is with her, so uh, she, she has got a, got, a, got a caregiver there with her. So that's, that's good, and we'll keep you posted. Anybody have anything further on that that you know? Anybody know anything further on that? Yes? We visited her this afternoon. Okay. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew I knew it's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. She knew who I was when I was there. So, so just remember, remember Bobby. Tonight, while we're going through the the study on the cults. Um, I've gotten some feedback. We do have people following us on live feed that can't necessarily make it here. So if you've got a comment or a question, before you just start giving me the comment or the question, we've got to get a microphone to you because it's very frustrating for people on the live feed to, to hear like a voice reverberating, uh, you know, but they can't hear what you're saying. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll get that figured out as we go along tonight. But just, just so you know, we need to, need to keep, that, um, keep that tight. All right, anything else before we dive into the subject matter this evening? Let's see. Uh, remember, I forgot these. Hold on one second. Remember that Nora Angus died recently, and they are having a, a private service for her out of town. Juanice Winchester is recovering from surgery today. She's doing okay. Uh, Joanna's grandmother died, and there, he will be out of town from tonight all the way through the weekend, uh, going, going there for the funeral, so we need to remember him in their travel. Uh, friends of Mark McDougal, Rick and his son Jake, are having a hard time. And then the Jones family and their 16-year-old son, Larry. Do we have that, uh, did they give that picture, the one that was the, of the young man that was missing? Is that in the pro presenter? Okay. I'm, I'm making pull it up. Hang on a second. I'm making pull it up. Well, I said I could. Here it is. This young man right here, and I, I got I to gotta put it up on the uh, screen. Give me one second. This young man right here is, is missing and has been missing. Can y'all see him okay? Okay. Uh, Larry Potts left home on foot at 4.45 p.m. yesterday and hasn't been seen since. He's 16, 5'11", 210 pounds, dirty blonde, healthy-looking fella. So they don't, know, they don't know where he is. Did you want to say something? Yes. It's on, it may be muted. Uh, he got in the car with three other people at the corner of Silver Birchwood 
Walden Road on Friday night. Okay. Uh, Michelle is a friend of ours. Uh, we did uh, Christmas carols a couple of years ago together. But he's an adopted child. Okay. And he has been, he doesn't have a telephone, but somehow or another he's been able to look on Snapchat okay. and has found some of his relatives. And so they think there's a possibility that somebody has stuck their nose in and come and got him. They're not sure. Okay. But please play for this family. My daughter ran off at 14, and I like to never found her. So I know what this family's going through. Yeah. Thank you, Walter. Thanks for bringing it to our attention. So y'all be sure and offer, uh, offer prayer for that family and that uh, he would be found. Leave it up. Yeah. Okay. Talk about the microphone. Okay. All right, well, let's get uh, Kingdom of the Cults up here so we can get after it. Is it up there? Okay. Uh, if you got your notes, the notes have been changed pretty significantly from last time. I think, if I remember correctly, we got all the way through, all the way through the notes. So what, what, we're, what we're talking about, we've got some guests here this evening, which is wonderful. Um, we're talking about the cults in our nation around the world. And a cult is, is a group that... that has either fallen under the, the false teachings of an individual or a group of individuals, and so they leave what we call the orthodox faith. They leave what the apostles brought us and what Jesus brought us, and they, they kind of have their own spin on things. And so that's, that's what a cult is. The one that we've been studying uh, for the past several weeks is the Jehovah Witnesses, and the reason why is because it is one of the larger, more active, uh, successful, so to speak, uh, groups that, that has been studied, uh, that, it, that has come out of Christianity, so to speak. Um, thousands and thousands and thousands of kingdom halls all over the world. Not, not growing as fast as, as in America as it once was. Now I think most of their evangelic efforts are overseas. Um, but, uh, but we have these in our backyard. I mean, we have, we have these all over the place around here. And it's, it's, it's not orthodox Christianity. And it's one of those things that we have to lovingly and gently call out as false and try to rescue those out of that false religion in, back into true Christianity or to, tr to true Christianity. Uh, the man that wrote this work right here, which is a uh, landmark work, has been out there for a long time, since I believe the 60s, is uh, Walter Martin. And <clears throat> this is the scripture that he uses to justify. Of course, you can use a lot more scriptures than this, this one, but... Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith, to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Contend. You could say fight. Okay? That's not, that's not, a, that's not a, an unfair synonym to use uh, because there, these things do have to be. We're trying to take every thought captive. I mean, this is spiritual war that we're dealing with here. And so it is really, that's why things get hostile sometimes between different groups and there's contention and there's arguments because you have one group that is completely convinced that they're right and you have another group that believes what? That they're right. And so somebody's wrong, right, in, in, this, in this issue. So that, that is the contention that happens. Um, the, the way that he did this, which I believe is, is very good, is that there's a, there's a threefold there's, three, there's a threefold uh, method to studying this. One of the, is the historical analysis, then the theological evaluation, and the apologetic contrast. Now, we have spent the past three, well, I don't know about three sessions, but definitely two sessions talking about Charles Taze Russell, talking about J.F. Rutherford, and these other men because uh, it's, it's real. They were real men in real history, that took the gospel, that perverted it into something that it wasn't meant to be, and that created an incredibly large following uh, over, over their lifetimes uh, in, 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 this, in these ministries, okay? So a historical analysis is absolutely necessary, right? Second is the theological evaluation. We're going to start some of that this evening. We've had some of it all along, but, but tonight we, we go in depth, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we do tonight and one more evening in the Jehovah Witnesses, and we'll be finished and we'll move on. But this is, this is without a doubt the one that he has done the most research on. If, if those of you that are reading the book, did you sense that? I mean, I, I sense that the, the Jehovah Witnesses were the ones he was the most concerned about, the ones that, that at the time he wrote was the fastest growing and so forth. So we have a theological evaluation and then an apologetic contrast. 
you know, how are we going to go about talking to people that are Jehovah Witnesses that are very committed, that are, that are as committed to their kingdom hall as we are committed to Jesus? How do we go about talking to them and freeing them from that? Okay. The psychological structure, and I'm going to go through this in depth, closed-mindedness, won't listen, you know, just personal, genuine antagonism. This angst, this angst that they have for Christians over certain things. Institutional dogmatism, they've been taught this by the watchtower, it doesn't matter what you tell them, they're not going to listen because their allegiance is to the watchtower. And then isolationism is just this, this idea that, that we're going to try to win you to the JWs. If we don't, then we're going we're gonna to just forget about you and ostracize you because you won't come. And then the other is also true within, within the JW, things that have clearly been proven wrong, uh, things that they have believed and prophesied and, and exercised that have clearly been proven wrong, they will not accept that they are wrong. They try to twist it a different way or make it seem like a different thing. Okay? And, then that, and it becomes more and more isolated. <clears throat> Quick facts, Jesus is not Jehovah God. He is the first and only direct creation of God and the agent through which Jehovah made all things. Jesus' true followers are known by their worship of the true and almighty God, Jehovah, who is not a trinity. Jesus was raised from the dead, not with a physical body, but as a mighty spirit creature. And remember, all of you watching and listening tonight, these are theological points that are Jehovah Witness theological points. And what you will find throughout, which one of the reasons that makes them so dangerous is that you've got some truth blended with what? Heresy, outright heresy. You've got some truth blended in with heresy. And that is why it is so hard to deal with them sometimes. Because some of the stuff they'll say, it's right, and you have to agree with it. But then other stuff they say is clearly wrong, and you can't agree with it based on Scripture, okay? <clears throat> so Jesus was raised from the dead. That's, is that true or false? But not with a physical body. Is that true or false? It's false. It was a physical body. There's no question about that. But as a mighty spirit creature. So see, see what I'm saying? How, how, they, how they play with, with trickery with words? The second coming of Jesus was an invisible spiritual presence that began in 1914. The Bible nowhere says that. <clears throat> the dead exist only in God's memory. The wicked will not be punished with conscious torment, but will be extinguished forever. That is not true. The Bible teaches everlasting torment, not that you're blasted out of existence, you know, but, but that it is, a, it is an eternity, an eternity of suffering, an eternity that your immortal soul is alive forever somewhere, either heaven or hell. That's what the Bible teaches. But that's not an ear-tickling doctrine, amen? Does that tickle your ears to hear that? No, no, it doesn't tickle yours. It hurts. <clears throat> Paul's warning, of, I just put these in there because they're two good passages that kind of are the warnings. And if you're, if you're a biblicist and you believe the scripture, how, how you would miss these whenever that theology comes your way is beyond me. But I mean, sure, to not have a hell, that sounds great. And so I'm going to go sit under somebody that's not going to preach on hell and not teach on hell because I don't like that theology. So I'm going to go sit under somebody that teaches that. Well, that, that's the definition of what an itching ear person is. They are seeking out teachers that they want to hear from. So chances are, if you're sitting under someone that's preaching the gospel and you don't necessarily like what you hear every Sunday, that's probably a good sign that they're preaching the truth. Amen? Probably a good sign. <clears throat> All right, and then the second one, the Spirit says that in later times, some will depart from the faith and devote themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. And that's what these men did. That's what they did. This guy right here is probably one of the, one of the heroes that came out of the Jehovah Witness Kingdom Hall. His name is Raymond Franz. Raymond was the nephew of one of their overseers, and <clears throat> I believe he was connected to the New World Translation somehow. And while he was doing that translation, which was, which was clearly a perversion of the Word of God in many respects, he came to a crisis of conscience and said, I can't do this. I can't go to these, these manuscripts, God's Word, and then allow the Watchtower tradition to twist them to fit what their tradition is. And so his, his, on his epitaph, when he died, I could not accept that organizational interpretations based on shifting human reasoning could ever be made equal in authority to the actual statements found in God's unchangeable word. How about that? <clears throat> That's the book. <clears throat> so at the end of the 20th century, this is what you've got. End of the 20th century. 
A look at the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society at the end of the 20th century shows that it is a mixture of tradition hanging on to what they've been taught from the Russellites and from Rutherford, innovation trying to take what they passed down and make it more palatable for the masses, and contradiction. In some respects, especially doctrinally, the society is clearly the legacy of Charles Taze Russell and Judge Joseph F. Rutherford. In other respects, such as its far-flung missionary publishing reach, it is clearly a religion to influence the 21st century. Okay? Their publications, <clears throat> and this is more than just publications, it's, it's also kind of how they're run out. I, I summarized a whole bunch of pages uh, so, I didn't, so I didn't just kill you with all this stuff so we can get to the theology. Their own version of the Bible is very important that you remember this. The New World Translation, say that with me. The New World Translation. Okay, not the New Living Translation. That, that's, that's a good translation. Some people don't like it, but I think it's fine. It's called the New World Translation. Okay, so stay away from that translation. The anonymous writers, now since, since the last, Rutherford was the last real big name that, like had, had, that was known the world over, uh, when he died, what they did from that point forward to try to distance themselves from the bad press that they had was now all of their writings are done anonymously. So there's no names on, on any of the stuff that's written or published. Or published okay? it's just, it just doesn't have names on it. It has Watchtower publications on it, which makes it pretty hard to do what? Track it. Evaluate it. Who wrote it? Where are they from? Are they degreed? Do they know the languages? Do they know this? Do they know that? They don't know, they don't know anything. You know what I mean? So it's just one of, those, um, you know, one of those weird things. Then the governing body, how they, um, how they make decisions now, uh, instead of like going to a, to, a, uh, to a straight leader such as Charles Taze Russell or, say, J.F. Rutherford, what they have now is what's called a governing body, a governing body. Uh, and that was considered a heavenly class. Not everybody could be that. It was considered a heavenly class or group of anointed men numbering, guess how many? Twelve. And why, would that, why would they be number twelve? Hey. Who are you pointing at? You. Come here, right quick. Y'all give me just a second. Everybody's wondering. I'll tell you later. Okay, so back, back, to, back at it. So, <clears throat> prospective members. Now, this is what they do with current activities and prospective members. Prospective members are encouraged to commit themselves to the society as quickly as possible and become members through baptism by immersion at the local congregational level. Now, how does that sound? It sounds absolutely fine. I mean, that's exactly what we try to do in, in the Christian church. I mean, I mean, that, the, the, I mean if, you, if you come here and you want to join this church and you're a non-believer, the first thing we encourage you to do is to get baptized before you join the church. So there's nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> Their membership titles, publishers. These are new members that spend at least 1,200 hours of field work, door-to-door -door recruitment, book studies, etc. So when you come in, the first thing that you're considered is a publisher. How do you like that? Pretty fancy title, all right? The next level is a pioneer. These are new members that went beyond 1,200 hours. So if you're really committed, you get called a pioneer. The Kingdom Hall leadership has, is, consists of overseers and elders that are appointed from the hall membership. <clears throat> the, and then there's a presiding overseer that leads the elder meetings, and then a service overseer that handles service business in the congregation, and then ministerial service that have admin responsibilities as assistants to the elders. Okay, now I'm just breezing through this. I just want you to know the terminology of how they run day-to-day -day stuff in their, in their kingdom halls. So if you come up, if, so if one were to come to your house <clears throat> one, one weekend on a Saturday morning at about 9 o'clock, that's when they come, and they come about four at a time, uh, and they start asking you questions, why don't you say, so are you, a, are you a presiding overseer or are you a service overseer? And watch them go. How do you know that? 
I mean, I'm, that, that's, how you, that's how you do this. You have to, you have to know their own, their, own, their own vernacular. All right? <clears throat> then the Kingdom Hall networks, like we have uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, and we have associations, and then we have state conventions. You have circuits, and that's associations of around 20 congregations supervised by a circuit overseer, and they have two conventions a year. And then districts, the geographical collection of circuits managed by a district overseer. And then branches, which are collections of districts. So you've got circuits, districts, and branches. And then you have zones, which is the next expansion out, which is collections of branches. So a lot, they, they, they are, would you say they're organized? Highly organized. It's part of their strength. They have, they have special days. They only have one special day as far as I've been able to, to find. The memorial of Christ's death at Passover. What do we call that? Good Friday. Good Friday, exactly. The elements, get this, are passed through the audience, right? So everybody passes them around, but only the heavenly class. How many heavenly classes we got here tonight? <laughs> only they are allowed to partake. JWs reject all other religions, national or cultural holidays. So they don't have any fun at all. None. No birthdays, not Christmas, Thanksgiving, nothing. How boring would that be? We need to rescue them from that just, just for that. Weekly activities. Each Kingdom Hall has five meetings per week. Baptists would not make it, amen? We would not make it as a JW. You'd collapse and die. Boom, five meetings a week. No, I don't want to be a publisher. I don't want to be a pioneer, right? Each Kingdom Hall has five meetings per week, and all congregation members are expected to attend. How about that? Mm-hmm. There is a public talk, which I would assume would be something like this, followed by a watchtower study, and that's on Sunday. Okay, so probably, I don't know, two hours maybe. Then there's a theocratic ministry school. That's probably where they do the brainwashing with the watchtower. Weekday evening, followed by a service meeting. All right, so there's your weekly activities. Oops, sorry. There's your weekly activities. So five meetings per week. Five. That's, that's, that's committed. That's being committed there. Do you go anywhere five times a week other than work and home? Anywhere? I don't. Maybe my shop. At first glance, Jehovah Witnesses seem to be the model of religious democracy. In their informational booklet, What Does God Require of Us?, congregational leaders are described. These men are not elevated above the rest of the congregation. They are not given special titles. They do not dress differently from others. Neither are they paid for their work. However, in reality, the Watchtower Society is an absolute autocracy. All authority is vested in the governing body, including the authority to understand and teach the Bible. So when you're sitting there talking to them face-to-face -face in pleasantries, there's pleasantries, right? But as soon as that conversation breaks open and they go report back to their governing body, that's when the trouble begins. That's when they ostracize you and say, hey, this guy's a troublemaker, get him out of here, you know, whatever. <clears throat> All right? Dissent is not permitted. Do you hear that? Baptists. Do you hear that? Dissent is not permitted. We need to apply that into the Baptist church. Amen? I'm just kidding. And if discovered, if you dissent and it's discovered, you're punished swiftly and completely. They cancel you, right? You're canceled. Jehovah's Witnesses are excluded from membership or disfellowshipped, not merely for gross unrepentant immorality or heresy, but also for questioning the teachings and authority of the society. Just shut up and believe everything we tell you, and if you question it, you're gone. Boy, how would that fly in a Baptist church? About like a Led Zeppelin? Probably. Witnesses are not only to isolate themselves from those who were once witnesses and have been disfellowshipped or dissociated, but also from anyone who is not a witness and who attempts to present a view contrary to the watchtower. No witness is allowed to read dissenting material, whether it is written by a disgruntled Jehovah's Witness, a disfellowshipped or disassociated witness, or someone who has never been a witness. Strict, strict guidelines, strict rules. Okay? 
That's why when you come across these folks and you're in love, you know that they believe wrong and you try to break them away from there, it is, it is like dragging a 55-gallon drum through mud. I mean, it's just, it, it's almost impossible to get them broke, broke away from these lies. Doctrinal beliefs, all right, this is where we'll camp out for the rest of the evening. <clears throat> there is one solitary being from all eternity, Jehovah God, the creator and preserver of the universe and of all things visible and invisible. Now, does that sound good or bad? It sounds good. One solitary being, it's kind of nudging in the nuance that there's not three persons to this one being, which would be anti-Trinitarian language, which is kind of where they sit. Okay, so you got that, that's, but that's what I'm saying. They use these words that are just, they could be interpreted different ways. <clears throat> the word or the word or logos is a God, a mighty God, the beginning of the creation of Jehovah and his active agent in the creation of all things. The logos was made human as the man Jesus and suffered death to produce the ransom or redemptive price for obedient men. I don't have time to point out everything in there that's, that's wrong. Some of it's right, some of it's wrong. Number one, is the Logos a God or the God? The, the God, yes. Definite articles make a huge difference and that's one of the things that they twist, okay? <clears throat> Was Jesus the agent of creation? Absolutely, Colossians clearly says that. So, so it was created through him and for him and by him. That's what Colossians says. The Logos was made human as the man, Jesus, okay? Not untrue, but if you leave that unchecked, somebody would walk away thinking that Jesus was just a what? Yeah, and not God too. That's a big problem. <clears throat> the Bible, these are some, man, these are some bad, if there are Baptist words out there, these are Baptist words. The Bible is the inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God as it was originally given and has been preserved by Him as the revealer of His purposes. I mean, that's not wrong, okay? The only question is, what Bible are they talking about? That's the question. What Word of God are you talking about? Satan was a great angel who rebelled against Jehovah and challenged his sovereignty through Satan. Sin and death came upon man. His destiny is annihilation with all his followers. <clears throat> All of that is in the ballpark except the last sentence. His destiny is not annihilation unless you want to interpret eternal torment as annihilation, which I don't believe is the same thing. His destiny is eternal torment with all his followers. But they stay away from that. They don't want hell. They don't want eternal torment. And, and that's, that is one of the, in my opinion, one of the primary... Go ahead, Jim. <laughs> yeah, not even I for mean, Satan. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's yeah. Now, we always say, well, at least Hitler deserves eternal. No, in this case, not even not Satan, even Satan deserves. Right, right. They are really cutting. <laughs> they are. <All> right, man <clears throat> was created in the image of Jehovah, but willfully sinned. Hence, all men are born sinners and are of the earth. Those who follow Jesus Christ, faithful to the death, will inherit the heavenly kingdom with Him. Men of goodwill who accept Jehovah and His theocratic rule will enjoy the new earth. All others who reject Jehovah will be annihilated again. Again, that's ballpark, but it's not annihilated. It's eternal torment. Okay, that's, that's a big deal to them. The atonement is a ransom paid to Jehovah, by God, Jehovah God by Christ Jesus and is applicable to all who accept it in righteousness. In brief, the death of Jesus removed the effects of Adam's sin. I wouldn't say all the effects because what, do we, what, what will happen to each one of us if Jesus doesn't return? Why do we die? Because we're what? Sinners. Yeah, so, so not all, not all has been removed from us just yet. The final frontier is death, right? And Jesus says, even though we die, we what? Live. That's the, he meant spiritually until the resurrection happens whenever he chooses for that to come. All right? <clears throat> the man Jesus Christ was resurrected, a divine spirit creature, after offering the ransom for obedient man. The man... Christ Jesus was resurrected a divine spirit creature. So what do you think about that? A divine spirit creature. 
There's no question that there was spirit there. And there's no question there was, if creature, he means man. But I think, I think they try to say creature, meaning that we really can't, we don't know exactly what he was. We'll just call him a creature. He had a resurrection body. And this is a place where, where they can really do some, some twisting and turning because we don't even really, the Bible doesn't even really conclusively explain what type of body. We know it was a body. We know in Luke 24, it says, I have flesh and blood. We know, we know that was there, but there was something about his body that was different. He could pass through walls. He could, he could, do, he could do different things in that body. So it was a body that was suited for heaven as well as the earth, obviously. So uh, they, they can play around with that. And that's, that, that, that's a, that would be a hard point to, that would be a hard point to, 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 to work with them through. <clears throat> now, this is not. The soul of man is not eternal but mortal. And it can die. Animals likewise have souls, though man has the preeminence by special creation. So is the soul of man eternal? Yes. Is it also mortal? Our body, our body is mortal, okay, at this particular time. Our body is mortal, which means that... that the, the effects of, of sin have not been reversed on our flesh. Okay? Yeah, go ahead, Dick. I've, I've always heard the, the statement. Microphone. Oh. Oh, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get complaints. I, I, I'd always heard, there you go. I've always heard it said that the, we don't have a soul, we are a soul. Yeah. Yeah, there's several passages. Um, I'll just give you a couple. Let's start with uh, uh, Galatians 6, 8. The spirit or soul goes into eternity and is a conscious entity. The spirit can either be saved or lost. It belongs to God and we are instructed to glorify him in it. 1 Corinthians 6. The spirit of man has the attribute of personality, the ability to testify. So, I mean, there's... There, there are several scriptures that are very clear that, that we are that we are spirits, and our body our body is mortal, meaning that our body will one day die, but our spirits are eternal, meaning that they will they will always exist all throughout all eternity, either in heaven or hell. I mean that is that is biblical Christianity 101. Okay, <clears throat> hell meaning the place of torment where sinners remain after death until the resurrection does not exist. This is a doctrine of organized religion, not the Bible. Hell is the common grave of mankind, literally Sheol, the place of rest and hope where the departed sleep until the resurrection by Jehovah God. Eternal punishment is a punishment or penalty of which there is no end. It does not mean eternal torment of living souls. Annihilation, the second death, is the lot of all those who reject Jehovah God and it is eternal. I mean, that's just, just contradiction everywhere in there. So he's saying it's not the same thing, but it is. It's, who knows what he's trying to say? <clears throat> Jesus Christ has returned to earth in A.D. 1914, has expelled Satan from heaven, and is proceeding to overthrow Satan's organization, establish the theocratic millennial kingdom, and vindicate the name of Jehovah God. He did not return in a physical form and is invisible as the Logos. Complete and total hogwash. Complete, total hogwash. <clears throat> the kingdom of Jehovah is supreme. No argument there. And as such, cannot be compatible with present human government. Um, I mean, there's been groups that have argued that. Uh, uh, the Mennonites argue that. There, there's many that argue that. Uh, but I think Paul, I think the, the go-to passage you have on that is, is Romans 13. Uh, I mean, just since we're there, just right quick, if you got your Bible... Go there, and I'm not saying that our government doesn't do evil things. Obviously, it does. <clears throat> but Paul wrote this, Romans 13. Um, and, of course, I, I know Christian leaders right now that would, if they were sitting here with me, they would tear into me from what I'm about to say. But uh, Romans 13 is very clear that government is ordained by who? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, and now, is that to say that all government is pure and right and holy? I mean, obviously not. But it is ordained of God. Okay. Um, 
any allegiance to them in any way which violates the allegiance owed to him as a violation of the scripture. I'm sure, <clears throat> I, I like the way that John MacArthur said it back years ago. He said, um, he, as far as government's concerned, when the government begins to reward evil and punish good according to God's moral law, that is where you draw the line and peaceably rebel against the government, which we have done uh, for years with abortion uh, and as we did in slavery back years ago. So, I mean, there, there's, there's plenty of testimonies to, to that. But by and large, by and large, government is there for our good, right? For our good, to stand between us and the evildoer. All right, beliefs about the Holy Trinity. Let's get specific here. The, the doctrine in brief, now, now, he, now at this point right here, they are talking about, they are talking about our, our belief in the Trinity, not, not theirs. <clears throat> the doctrine in brief is that there are three gods in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. We would say the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Ghost terminology has not been used in, in decades. All three equal in power, substance, and eternity. Okay? That, that is true. That is the doctrine of the Trinity. And probably the thing that is fault the most about the doctrine of the Trinity is that the Father and the Son and the Spirit have always existed together in eternity past. None of them was created. None of them was an afterthought. Based on the Scripture and how we understand the Scripture, the tr our Trinitarian God has always existed. There was never a time where the three of them never existed. They have all three existed all throughout time. And that is a mystery to explain that. We, we don't understand that. That's just God. He's always been there. <clears throat> the obvious conclusion is, therefore, now this is, this is, again, this is them. And by the way, don't you love the acronym of that book? The Jehovah Witness book? LGBT. I mean, how, how classic is that? The obvious conclusion is, therefore, that Satan is the originator of the Trinity doctrine. So that's what they say about the Trinity, is that it's satanic. Sincere persons who want to know the true God and serve him find it a bit difficult to love and worship a complicated, freakish-looking, three-headed God. That is oversimplified and ridiculous, okay? The Trinity doctrine was not conceived by Jesus or the early Christians. That is true. The Trinitarian doctrine was not, was not made by Jesus. Jesus did not use the word Trinity. The apostles did not use the word Trinity. This came, the Trinity came much later, and I think I've got the panel after this. <clears throat> we'll finish the Trinity, then I'll, then, I'll, then I'll tell you where it came from. The plain truth is that this is another of Satan's attempts to keep God-fearing persons from learning the truth of Jehovah and his son, Christ Jesus. No, there is no Trinity. And again, that's not true. There is. Any trying, anyone trying to reason out the Trinity teaching leads to confusion of the mind. So the Trinity teaching confuses the meaning of John 1, 1 through 2. It does not simplify it or make it clear or easily understandable. I mean, sure, it's, it's difficult to understand. It's it is, but so is a lot of the stuff, other stuff they teach. Is Jehovah a trinity, three persons in one God? No, Jehovah the Father is the only true God. Jesus is his firstborn son, and he is subject to God. The Father is greater than the Son. The Holy Spirit is not a person. It is God's active force. So these are all the different language. That, that's why he spent a ton of time talking about language and terminology, is that you have to go at it in those weak points in their theology try to turn them. <clears throat> if the Trinity were true, it should be clearly and consistently presented in the Bible. And it is clearly and consistently put in the Bible, but not in the term Trinitas. The word Trinity is not found in the Bible, thus neither the 39 books of the Hebrew Scripture nor the canon of the 27 inspired books of the Christian Greek Scriptures provide any clear teaching of the Trinity. Thus the testimony of the Bible and of history makes clear that the Trinity was not, was unknown throughout biblical times and for several centuries thereafter. They are really beating hard on the Trinity, okay? <clears throat> so, since they did that, let's learn about the Trinity right quick. Now, I've just got one panel, so don't panic. This is not going to be a, a rabbit that takes us for 30 minutes. Number one, who remembers the ecumenical councils in the early A.D. centuries? Raise your hand if you have a clue what that means. Baptists, y'all better raise your hands now. I know y'all got no more than that. Okay, all right. The Council of Nicaea which resulted in the Nicene Creed. And if you do not know this, you need to perk up and pay attention <clears throat> so that you can know one of the most important 
historical moments in the history of Christianity okay, is the Nicene Creed. Once the apostles all died out and that next generation of, of, uh, of disciples died out, <clears throat> the authority structure of Christianity had, had kind of grown weak. Okay? And so you had a lot of different men and women out there doing what they called pseudepigraphal writings. Okay? So if it was somebody that, that wanted to gain a following, like just for instance, if I wanted to gain a, a big following, uh, who, who, could I, who could I pretend to be if I, if I wanted a big following? Or get people to listen to what I'm saying? What, who could I pretend to be? Taylor Swift. Who? Taylor Swift. Well, let's pick a guy. Pick a guy, please. Who? Donald Trump. So if I pretended, if I wrote with, with Donald Trump, pretending to be Donald Trump, imagine the authority that would bring the words that I put out there. Well, pseudepigraphal literature in those early centuries was the same way. So people would claim to be writing in the name of Paul. People would be claiming to be writing in the name of Peter. People would be claiming to write in, in all these different names of well-known Christian leaders in the hopes that their theology would, would, would gain a foothold, okay? Well, this caused, what do you, what do you think, do you think that caused problems in Christianity? Incredible problems, wolves everywhere. So all of this infighting caused Constantine, the emperor Constantine, and people question the sincerity of his heart, I get all that. But at least he did organize these ecumenical councils because he feared that the witness for Christ <clears throat> would be damaged if all of the bishops continued infighting on all the, on the nature of Jesus and who he was and was he God, was he man, was he, well, you know, what was he? And so they had this, the, the, the series of ecumenical councils. Now, we could, we could spend a whole year going over the ecumenical councils. We're not going to do that, but we, but we probably should. But this one, Nicaea, is the one you really need to remember, okay? The Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, one in being with the Father. The term they used, I believe, was homoousios, was the term they said, that the Father and the Son were of one substance, meaning they were one and the same. So it's powerful stuff. So the Nicene Creed of 325 that was organized by Caesar Flavius Constantine. Does anybody know... <clears throat> what, what the edict was called that, that made Christianity the legal religion of the Holy Roman Empire. The edict of... Begins with an M. Milan. The edict of Milan. Some people celebrate that moment. Some people say that moment was one of the worst ever in the history of Christianity because it, it made persecution, the, the persecution of the Christian church went away, and so it became political. And so if you wanted favor with the emperor, what religion did you profess? Christianity. Okay. So it, that, it did pose some problems, but also, it also ended persecution of, of Christians that were being killed. So that's the doctrine of the Trinity. That's how it was established. Okay. So this, this, was, <clears throat> this was not one man's opinion. Uh, you can also go back and read, if you like church history, look up the Cappadocians, C-A-P-P-A. D-O-C-I-A-N-S, the Cappadocians, I believe they also use Trinity. Tertullian. Yes, sir. That's not the complete Nicene Creed. It's not? Oh, no, that's just about the, that's just about the Father. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Thank you. So anyway, Cap the Cappadocians, look up the Cappadocians and look up Tertullian. Uh, Tertullian, I believe Tertullian is credited to be the first one that ever use the term Trinity, I think. So, and Tertullian is considered a church father. All right, let's move on. <clears throat> so the deity of Christ, the true scriptures speak of God's Son, the Word, as a God. He is a mighty God, but not the almighty God who is Jehovah. That is false. Jesus is God. The same essence as the Father. The Bible is full of that. In other words, he was the first and direct creation of Jehovah God. And all God's people said, no. 
No. Jesus was not created. He was coexistent from eternity past. That's why we use the term incarnation, right? He has always been, but he went from spirit with the Father into what? Flesh. Incarnation. They don't like that term. They will not let their people use that term. Okay? The Bible shows that there is only one God greater than his Son, and that, that's, and, that, and that the Son, as the firstborn, only begotten in the creation by God, had a what? Beginning. No. He did not have a beginning. He had a beginning in the flesh. It's called the incarnation. Right? But he's always been. That, that's, you've got to get that. If you don't have that in your brain, you've got to get that. Christ has always been the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, co-eternal from the beginning, always been there. That's hard for finite creatures to understand. <clears throat> that the Father is greater and older than the Son is reasonable, easy to understand, and what does the Bible teach is whatever. <clears throat> Jesus was the Son of God, not God himself. No, again, this is Jehovah's Witness theology, and it is heretical and wrong. But you need to know what they believe, which is why we're doing this. <clears throat> the very fact that he was sent proves he was not equal with God, but was less than God his Father. No, that is not true. Certainly the Apostle John was not so unreasonable as to say that someone was with some other individual and at the same time was that other individual. I and mean, let's just read it and let's see what the Apostle John really said since he doesn't cite the Scripture. <clears throat> John chapter 1. If you'll turn there briefly. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word... Aha. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That's Jesus he's talking about. Now, in their Bible, they change, they change that to make Jesus be a God instead of with God. And that little change makes it a heretical statement. Okay? Thus, Jesus had an existence in heaven before coming to earth, but was it as one of the persons in the almighty, eternal, true Godhead? No, for the Bible plainly states that in his pre-human existence, Jesus was a created spirit being. No, he was not. Just as angels were spirit being. No, yes, that's true. But no, he was not a created spirit being. Neither the angels nor Jesus had existed before their creation. Yes, he did. The angels didn't, but he, Jesus did. And John, I mean, John gave it to us right there. There it is. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit, now here's another thing they use a lot. The Holy Spirit is the invisible what? Active force of Almighty God that moves his servants to do his will. As for the Holy Spirit, the so-called third person of the Trinity, we have already seen that it is not a person but God's active force. What did Jesus call him in the book of John? The helper, the paraclete, the comforter. Sounds like a person to me. And a person can exert, can exert what? Force. A person can exert force. So I don't know why they are so dead set. It, it, and see, this is, this is where you get into this thing where <clears throat> your traditions and, your, and your, your perversions of theology will force presuppositions on the text that are not true. So if they don't want the Trinity to be true, every time they come to a passage that pushes in that direction, they allow their tradition and their false beliefs to push it in the opposite direction. Instead of allowing the text to determine what they believe, they, they, they tell the text what the text says. And that's wrong. That's called eisegesis, and it's led to more heresies than anything, anything else, except maybe the, taking the priesthood of the believer out of context. <clears throat> The scriptures themselves unite to show that God's Holy Spirit is not a person, but is God's active force. Again, this active force, active force. The Bible's use of Holy Spirit indicates that it is a controlled force that Jehovah God uses to accomplish a variety of his purpose. To a certain extent, it can be likened to electricity. It's an interesting comparison. Uh, a force that can be adapted to perform a great variety of operations. Now, I mean, 
I don't think there's any question that that God has that God has used or God has sent the Spirit to do certain things at certain times. I think that's inarguable, but it's He is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person that bears witness in your spirit, right? Don't, don't y'all sense that? The Holy Spirit in your body bearing witness to you to the truth of what is true and what is false. Uh, you look at something you're not supposed to look at. You're, you you kind of, your heart rate starts to rev up a little bit. You might get hot because you know that this is not, I mean, you get all these, these moral signals go off in your brain. Or, or like when the, when the atrocities that were done by Hamas against Jerusalem and you read all that stuff, you get a sense of indignation in your heart. Want to take matters into your own hand and dispense justice? Yes, why is that? Because you have a moral sense of what's right and wrong. That's, that's what that is. And when you hear that little children are, are massacred, defenseless children are massacred, there is a knee-jerk response in all men and women that, that, that have common grace, that know right from wrong, that says that has to be stopped at all costs. That has to be stopped at all costs. All right. No, the Holy Spirit is not a person. We're not, I mean, they, they, beat that, they beat that horse, and they beat that horse, and they beat that. All right, the virgin birth. All right, here we go. Next one, virgin birth. Mary was a virgin. Okay, they got that right. When Joseph learned that Mary was going to have a child, he did not want to take her as his wife. But God's angel said that which has been begotten in her is by the Holy Spirit. Okay, which is not a person by them, but an active force. Okay, whatever. He took Mary, his wife, home, but he had no relations with her until she gave birth to a son. So that, they, that, that's, that's pretty good there, unless I missed something. I think electricity that... got her pregnant. <laughs> Jim said the electricity got her pregnant, yeah. Jesus was conceived by a sinless, perfect father, Jehovah God. The perfect child, Jesus, did not get human life from the sinner, Adam, but received only a human body through Adam's descendant, Mary. Now, that is the Lucan, you know, the, the, the different genealogies, if, if we're correct in interpreting. Matthew's is David's, I mean, is Joseph's, and Luke's is Mary's. The genealogies are different there. Jesus' life came from Jehovah God, the Holy One. Jehovah took the perfect life of his only begotten son and transferred it from heaven to the womb of the unmarried girl, Mary. Thus God's son was conceived or given a start as a human creature. <clears throat> Again, he was God's son from the very beginning. He did not, he did, this is, but he, they won't say incarnation. It was a miracle under Jehovah's holy power of the child Jesus conceived in this way, grew in Mary's womb to the point of birth. That, all that's in the ballpark of accuracy. All that's in the ballpark of, of, of correct. That's, that's, that's right. Jesus' birth on earth was not, here's where they lose us, was not a what? Yeah was not an incarnation. He emptied himself of all things heavenly and spiritual. Do, do you realize how big of a debate this was back in the, in the uh, latter years after Jesus had ascended to heaven and the first generation of apostles had died or been martyred? His nature, who he was and what he consisted of became a ferocious argument uh, by, by, the, by, the, by the heretical interpretations by, the, by those false teachers for generations after all that happened. I mean, the, the fact, the fact that Orthodox Christianity made it to the 21st century is, is kind of a miracle of God because of all the heresies that have been, that have been tried. The, the many different ways the devil has come after the, the, the true faith. <clears throat> by this miracle, he was born a man. He was not a spirit-human hybrid which is a lie. He was a spirit human person, a man, and at the same time a spirit person, he was flesh. No, Jehovah Witnesses, listen to us. Listen to us. He was God and he was man. That was the whole reason why, the whole reason why he had to have the Father as, as his Father because it couldn't have happened any other way. <clears throat> While on earth, Jesus was a human, although a perfect one, because it was God who transferred the life force to Jesus to the womb of Mary. Again, this is just their rhetoric. It's not right. But you need to know what they believe. The atonement, that which is redeemed or is brought back, bought back, is what is lost, namely perfect human life with its rights and earthly prospects. Jesus is the glorified high priest by presenting in heaven this redemptive price, is in position to relieve the believing ones of Adam's descendants from the inherited disability under which all are born. 
that's in the ballpark, I would say. Would y'all say that's in the ballpark? Yes, no, maybe. Theologians out there, you got a different thought? The human life that Jesus Christ laid down in sacrifice must be exactly equal to that life which Adam forfeited for all his offspring. It must be a perfect human life, no more, no less. This is just what Jesus gave for men, all, for, for men of all kinds. Well, yes, he had, to be a sinless, he had to be a sinless man, but he also had to be part God, yes? He had to be spirit and he had to be human to be the sacrifice for God to atone for sin. So they're missing that. But that all gets back to what? Trinity, right? Trinity. If he's a spirit man and a God man, that, that causes them problems. I mean, I mean a God, a God, if he's a God man, that causes them problems. Jesus, no more, no less than a perfect man, human, became a ransom that compensated exactly for what Adam lost, the right to perfect human life on earth. The perfect human life of Jesus was the corresponding ransom required by divine justice, no more, no less. While that is in there, who knows? A basic principle, even of human justice, is that the price paid should fit the wrong committed. So the ransom to be truly in line with God's justice had to be strictly an equivalent, a perfect human, the last Adam. Thus, when God sent Jesus to earth as the ransom, he made Jesus to be what would satisfy justice, not an incarnation, not a God-man, but a perfect man lower than angels. No, all that wonderful rhetoric before they got down to that last sentence, those last two sentences undid everything they said. Salvation by grace. Immortality is a reward for faithfulness. It does not come automatically to a human at birth. Is that true or false? False. All human beings, from the moment they are conceived, have an immortal spirit that will live forever, either in heaven or hell. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. Those people of goodwill today who avail themselves of the provision and who steadfastly abide in this confidence will find Christ Jesus to be their everlasting Father. I mean, the people of goodwill today who avail themselves of the provision, I'm, I'm assuming they're talking about Jesus, like the Jesus that we would say is Jesus, not just the man, but the God-man. I mean, if that's what he's saying, yeah, but if he's talking about their Jesus, then no, that's not right. We have learned that a person could fall away and be judged unfavorably, either now or at Armageddon or during the thousand years of Christ's reign or at the end of the final test into everlasting destruction. I mean, fall away? I mean, what, what, what does he mean by that? Does he, does he mean completely lose salvation? We would say no. Can somebody backslide? Can they fall away from the church of Jesus Christ? We've all seen that happen. The answer to that question is yes, but do we, if we are truly saved, do we lose our salvation? And what is the unequivocal answer to that question? No, we do not lose our salvation ever if we are truly saved. That's one of the reasons why I'm Baptist, because I believe in eternal security of the believer, which our forefathers all believed. <clears throat> so, I don't know, just goofy statements. Make haste to identify the visible the theocratic organization of God that represents his king, Jesus Christ. It is essential for life. Doing so, be complete in accepting its every aspect. What, they, what they're talking about there is their allegiance to the watchtower and the kingdom hall. So in other words, they're saying that, that, that your well-being and your salvation is not necessarily tied to personal salvation in Jesus Christ, what's it tied to? The organization. Your allegiance is to the organization, not Jesus, but the organization. Now, obviously, we need an allegiance to the church, right? Because we know the church is Christ's body on earth. But the church doesn't save us. Personal faith in Jesus Christ saves us. The church sanctifies us. Being in the church sanctifies us, but it doesn't save us. We become a part of the church when we are saved. Is that, is that okay? <clears throat> to receive everlasting life in the earthly paradise, we must identify that organization and serve God as part of it. Okay. No, not true. The resurrection of Christ. We're almost there. We're almost done. We're going to, oh, it's 7.05. I didn't realize, I didn't realize it was 7 o'clock. Sorry about that. 
Well, let's just stop right there. We've only got, let's see, one, two, I think we've got like five or six panels left. We'll finish that up next time and, and uh, finish up with their theology, and then we will move on to, where do y'all want to go next? <laughs> very funny, Stephen, very funny. Let's do, y'all want to do Christian science or Mormonism? Who votes Mormonism? Boy, everybody. Okay, we'll, do, we'll start Mormonism next time. All right, any, uh, any last word before we're dismissed? Any last word? Hey, yeah, we've heard all the prayer requests. I told you about everything going on there. Um, women's ministry, y'all have a breakfast this Saturday here uh, from 9 to 11.30. And I think that's, I think that's everything that needs to be announced for, for right now that I can think of. Any last word? Yes, sir. Jim Good. Juanice is home doing well. That's great to hear. Okay, if everybody will stand, I'll pray to dismiss us. Father, thank you uh, so much for those that have joined us tonight here in person and on our live feed. And Lord, I know it's, it's a difficult thing to call out um, a group of people for their false beliefs and their wrong beliefs. Uh, but Lord, we do it out of love. This is not out of hatred or out of making fun of anybody or mocking. This is serious business. We, we love you and we love your church. We love your word. And we want everybody to know it, to know the truth of who you are and what you've done in Christ. And those that take that and undermine it and pervert it, Lord, uh, need to be lovingly called out so that they, can, that they can repent, come to know the truth, the true Christ. And so, Father, that is our heart, and I pray that that would be uh, evident uh, to all that may watch this and that, that hear us talk about it. Uh, we don't hate anybody. We're not mad at anybody. Uh, we just we want people to know you and to be saved. Father, thank you uh, for the time we've had this evening. Thank you for this church. Thank you so much for the progress uh, that we are making on our building. Uh, Lord, it's just it's looking wonderful. I pray that you hold us tightly together as we get ready for, uh, for the Christmas season and Thanksgiving and <clears throat> Fall Fest coming up here in a couple weeks. Just so much going on, God. I just pray that you help us to, uh, to be faithful and to strive for your kingdom. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Yellow dismissed. Good night. <laughs>